and we are live. Cool. All right. Is this a microphone? Yeah. Can you oh, card? <laughs> oh, yeah, here you go. Everyone, come on in, tune in. We're going to get set up here very shortly. We're going to get things rolling here very, very quickly. We have an action packed episode tonight. Looking good? People coming in? Looks good. Yeah, looks good. You want to go to mine? You guys get the update too. <clears throat> I can watch it on my own Facebook that we're live. Wait, is it supposed to be live right here? Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, we are definitely live. Both mics are on. Cool. We ready? Yeah, very sharp. All right, welcome in to JB Weekly Wrap Up. Oh, I didn't hit record yet. I'll wait then. <laughs> And we're live here in JMB Weekly Wrap-Up. Not only are we on with Facebook Live for the third week in a row, but we're on SoundCloud. We'll be coming to you later tonight and tomorrow. Uh, my partner in crime, Jackson Schroeder, is alongside with me, as always. In the first time in history of my lifetime, Max McDoolin is not only on this show, but him and I are going to be talking about sports and have actually an audience, not only just classmates, but uh, hopefully over a 1,000 people this week. Max, yeah, welcome good. on. You want to use your mic here? All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about college basketball with you. Uh, for all the audience members out there, uh, we're live here with our laptops open. If you have questions regarding college basketball, please send them in. We'll be answering them. Max is our inside man here. Uh, huge, huge college basketball fan, not only in the state of Ohio, but he knows a lot about it. Um, let's, just, let's dive into it real quick. Uh, the top 25 came out this week, and for the second time in program history, your Gonzaga team, you've been highly talking about the entire year. The only undefeated Division One team left is number one ranked. What do you got to say about this team? Well, I mean, obviously I'm happy because this is what I predicted, so that makes me pretty happy. Uh, but, I mean, this really is a team that right now looks like the most complete team in the nation, Bobby. I mean, they look really, really good. They're 22-0. and They played a really solid non-conference schedule, honestly, when you break things down. And, and, and that's the thing that bothers me. You know, people like you, you were picking on me. Oh, Gonzaga. No, go look at the teams they've played. I know they're in a weak conference. Yeah. I know they're in a weak conference. But, man, they've played against some really solid teams. They have some really solid wins in non-conference play. And when it comes down to it, obviously that should help you out uh, when it comes to the full season. I've got a question when it comes to Gonzaga. Yeah. I mean, I, I realize you've got them at number one overall right now because they're 22-0. and 0. Yep. But when you look at, your, at that schedule and they're out of uh, – conference play they played two ranked opponents beat them pretty handily yeah um but they played arizona beat them and they also beat st mary's by a uh, decent margin um but is is their schedule enough to make them number one even with their uh their their undefeated enough to make them number one even with their lack of strength in the schedule well that that's the question that everybody's asking i mean uh you know whether or not the their i mean so they go undefeated, right? And then you have maybe a really strong, uh, a couple of strong two-loss teams or a couple of, even a strong one-loss team come the end of the season. What does that mean? Does that mean Gonzaga's going to be number one? Because, I mean, look, Baylor's 19-1 and one right now. Yeah. If they run the table, does that mean they're the number one overall seed? you got Villanova, who's 20-2 and two with two losses playing in a really tough conference. If they run the table, are they number one overall? My thing is is that I think Villanova's going to lose two more games. Okay. I think Baylor's going to lose 
two to three more games. Maybe tomorrow night. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow night. So since those things I, I think are coming, and, you know, Baylor, uh, you know, obviously uh, is playing in the Big 12, which looks very tough this year, yeah. uh, which I'm excited about. West Virginia is so confusing to me right now. It doesn't make any sense. One week dangerous. they look amazing. Yeah. It, they are. Bob Huggins' teams are always dangerous, and, and they're actually one of my teams to watch right now because they have one of the best defenses in the country. And those teams that don't give up points come tournament time, they don't need to put up 80 points on you. You know, yeah. they, they, can, they can go out there and they can win those grinded out 62-60 games. Um, so, yeah, but, but, but no, that's a very fair question. But I think those other teams that could be in front of them aren't going to run the table. So I think Gonzaga, okay. and if Gonzaga runs the table, I think the number one overall seed. It's very hard not to put them at the number one overall seed just because, as you said, the undefeated schedule. But a couple years ago they were undefeated. They got the last number one seed, and they, as put on quote, they got the shit end of the bracket. They had yeah. to play Kentucky as the 8-9 matchup there, and they end up going all the way to the national championship and losing to UConn. Um, it's so hard. I mean, you know these fans are still going to be looking at that a couple years ago and be like, I don't know if I can trust this team. Yeah. And I guess time will tell, and they have a good schedule this year. Yeah, they do. They have huge wins over Iowa State, yep. Arizona. You can even put Washington, Tennessee up there as, as good quality non-conference wins. Yep. But later on the season, again, you said their, their conference lightens up huge. Uh, but when it comes to tournament time, they're always tournament tested, uh, always finding themselves around that Sweet 16 bubble area before they either get knocked out or make a little run for themselves. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to change a little bit in college basketball and go to a team that's been a powerhouse in our entire lifetime, and that is the Duke Blue Devils. Mm. What a storyline this entire year has been pretty much for the Duke Blue Devils with Coach K going down. Uh, head cases. Head cases, yes. Drama, a plenty. I mean, this is this is more, this is the more drama than the Bachelor. Oh that, no, this is this is <laughs> way this is way worse than what Corinne's got going on on the Bachelor right now, all over my Twitter feed, all the arguments that she's in or whatever. Oh my goodness, Duke is way worse. Grayson Allen looks like a USA soccer player. It, it's really strugglesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Grayson Allen is so frustrating to me because, first of all. Um, this is a kid who obviously needed to learn a lesson. Very much so. And so you think to yourself, oh, indefinite suspension. We talked about this yeah, last week. I thought he was going to be gone for a long time. All right, maybe he'll be out five games, was probably minimum. Was it two? One, one, one game. game. Two, one days, game. Two, days, two days. Two days. One game suspension. Two days he's suspended from the program. Uh, and, and, and it's frustrating because it comes, uh, you have Duke's schedule pulled up. Right here. It came after uh, a loss to. Uh, it was Virginia Tech. A, lo a loss against Virginia Tech. Uh, and then, of course, they come out in their next game against Georgia Tech. It's a blowout. Um, That's where they looked the they best. Although they were, they were, yeah, they looked really good. I, I watched that game, and that was when I thought that they were going to continue and yeah. possibly be a huge tournament team. But well, now, and you thought Grayson Allen looked more mature in exactly. that game too, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. even though it had been only a one-game suspension, you thought, oh, maybe, maybe he did, maybe he understands. Yeah. Because we all knew at that point that he had a short leash. <laughs> At least we thought he did. I think every game since then, he's had a either a technical foul or or a tussle with another team. He's he's walked through the a bench of an opposing team. Last game, he even looked at like he he kicked the Notre Dame player. I mean, it's I don't understand what the kid goes through just because you know everyone's watching you. It's so painful and it's so sad because Kennard is should be the story at Duke, which is what we talked about. A kid who who does everything the right way. It seems like to me. You know, uh, he's still a Duke kid, so guess what that means? That means he's going to have some enemies, right? Right? Amen from over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, but he does things right, you know, and, and I hate to say that because, you know, it's okay to be a boisterous player. It's okay to be confident. It's okay to be excited. 
But honestly, you know, Grayson Allen is a different story. He's got some real problems with anger, frustration, and his attitude. I mean, just the way that he plays is so frustrating to watch. I mean, you know, it's not even the level of Christian Leitner, you know, of, of oh, we hate that guy just because he's he so good, good and has an attitude. Yeah, yeah. Grayson Allen has, you know, there's something different about him. <laughs> that He's my number one. I, if there was a, uh, I don't know, most frustrating player list that I yeah, had to be one. maybe a little bit more politically correct, he's number one on there. Yeah, I don't want him on my team. I'm sorry. There's better players out there. An interesting stat about the Blue Devils right now, and this is especially strange for a Coach K-led team where they pride their, themselves on how well coached that their team always is. On the discipline. On the discipline. Yeah. And Grayson Allen is is a guard, and he leads the team for assists per game. You know what that is? 3.9, just under 4. How are you going to be a successful, <laughs> well-coached team if you can't share the basketball? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's disappointing. No, that that's definitely frustrating, especially when you're a Duke team because, you know, you will see teams like uh, the Gonzagas and the Cincinnati's of the world um, who obviously I'm a both of those bandwagons heavy this year, and people will bring up the assist statistic. Well, you're like, well, those teams, the reason they're good is because they're experienced and they're deep. Duke and Kentucky are teams that normally have players who play heavy minutes, so you yeah. expect someone to have six or seven assists, and Duke doesn't have that right now, and they look so inconsistent if they could have played the way they played against Georgia Tech, discipline, uh, the amount of discipline they had after, in that game, you're like, oh, wow, Coach K has got the team back under control even though he's not there. He sent a message, yeah. and, and that hasn't proven to be true. You, it it kind of looks like a Marvin Lewis where he's a great coach, but yeah. does not have a leash on his players right now. He's getting older, yeah. uh, maybe losing a step or two. Um, again, time will tell with this team. I want to talk about teams that are looking good right now. Mm-hmm that have a lot of question marks, and it could be possible upsets when it comes tournament time, early yeah. exits, if they're top four, four a one-to-four seed. Yeah. Early, who, do you, who do you have right now? Well, I mean, one of the teams that I would be concerned about an early exit would be more like a Louisville. Okay. Uh, I've seen some inconsistency there. Rick Pitino, I think this is a team that really he... It, it seems like Louisville right now is a team that uh, he... He is the reason that they're where they're at. Yeah. You know, it's not that they have a number of playmakers. As we pull up their schedule right here, you know, you have a loss on uh, against uh, number 10 Florida State, but they responded really well with a win on the road at Pittsburgh. It's nights like that that kind of show the inconsistency. They put up 68 points against a Florida State team that looks very good, mind you. They do look faltering right now, but yes. They, I still think they're going to be okay. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but... And then you come out the next night and put up 106 points against Pittsburgh, who yeah. consistently has been a really good program. And that's been their whole season. You know, They beat Kentucky, and then they lose to Virginia. And I think Virginia's uh, been overrated all season long, personally. As uh, they always are. As they always are. Uh, my friend Lena Kramars doesn't like when I bring that up because she's a huge Virginia <laughs> fan. Uh, but, but Louisville is a team that I'm kind of questioning. UCLA I haven't been high on all year long. The, the problem I have with the Pac-12 and the West Coast teams are yeah. – they don't win when it needs to happen. Yeah. The last time there was a Pac-12 team in the Final Four was when Kevin Love was still yeah. in college. Yeah. I mean, that was years ago. Well, and then look out at the West Coast. I mean, you got a guy in, uh, uh, I think, uh, Fultz. He's at uh, Washington. You don't hear you don't hear about his name. He's going to be a phenomenal NBA player. Number one draft pick. He's going to be the number one draft pick in the NBA draft. Uh, and he's similar to a Ben Simmons guy. You know, he's stuck on a team... It hasn't had production. But you think that when a Washington gets a guy like a Fultz, 
oh, okay, they're going to be in the fold. They're not even going to make the tournament. Yeah. yeah. Which is really frustrating. I mean, you know, for a kid who, you know, is surrounded by you know, you consider, okay, Pac-12 athletes, those are really good athletes, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a player that you assume is going to be in in the NBA and is a guard yeah. who can make people better around him and he can't even take him in the NCAA tournament, that's the issues with the Pac-12. I mean, it's just that there's this underperformance. I don't know if it has to do with just the point that it's on the West Coast and sometimes maybe they, even athletes maybe even feel forgotten sometimes oh, out there. Yeah. Uh, I think that that might be part of it. Because look at me. I'm, I'm low on UCLA, yep. yet I'm super high on a West Virginia team. Yep. Whereas you could say that UCLA and West Virginia have some of the same problems. Yes. They don't score consistently. Uh, both of them look really good on defense sometimes, but they struggle sometimes getting in foul trouble. You know, um, but, but also a Bob Huggins team. I, I think you always have to be scared of Bob Huggins. He's a great coach. Uh, he did really good good things with the Cincinnati Bearcats, and I don't just say that because I'm a Cincinnati guy. That's because he did. You know, that's a, those are teams that uh, he knows what he's doing. So I think it's good to see that he has another good West Virginia team. Went to the Final Four in West Virginia in the past. Would have won a national championship if they didn't have a huge injury. I yeah, think, too. So. How legitimate do you think the Kansas Jayhawks are? Because I look at their schedule also, and I see who the, their strength of schedule, and they've played three ranked opponents. <laughs> The first one, and two of those were losses, and the first one was Indiana, of course, and then they had that what seemed to be impressive win over Duke, yep. um, but now what, what does that mean anymore, yeah. really? And then they, lost, they got beat really bad by West Virginia, and they've got a big game coming up. Um, well, they just beat Kentucky this yeah, past weekend oh, in, I, yeah, in right, Rupp, right, which was, right. I mean, you don't see teams, yeah, especially uh, out of conference, go, go to Rupp and win. It doesn't happen. And then right now they have a huge game. Tomorrow, so two, there are two places that opposing teams don't win at. It is, uh, well, on the road against Duke, yeah, on the road against Kentucky, and on the road against Iowa State. And all of those teams have looked pretty bad at yeah. points at home yep. this year. So it's kind of been a funny year. Yeah, Kansas is. I mean, they're going to be uh, one of the four number one seeds. I think oh, that I, that's going to be that. in the bag, yeah. but. I think that this is the Kansas team. I think you're right. It's the Kansas team that's had the most question marks yeah. over the past few years. Um, you know, you, you don't say to yourself, oh, wow, that, that is a team that um, they're going to make a run super quick. I mean, uh, uh, the types of teams that I think really can have a run in them are your Villanovas and your Baylors that I kind of brought up earlier. Um, Villanovas look great all season long, right? They're, you know, 20-2 and two right now. They're number two uh, in RPI. Uh, and and uh, another team, though, that I think is a little bit interesting because they're dealing with injuries but have a great coach and Chris Mack is Xavier. Yeah, they're yeah. still really high on the RPI, so that's going to help them if they can get back on track in conference play. So they might not have a bad seed. And, and I think if they can figure things out, they're lucky. I mean, if you're going to get an injury, now is the time. Uh, so they have, you know, nine or ten regular seasons game left to figure things out. They could be one of those scary teams because everyone's like, what's going on with Xavier? And then all of a sudden they might creep up on the back end. All right, so we have an action-packed show. Uh, we want to move on to NHL. But any last words? Because I'd love to have you on for next week. We talk yeah. about uh, Cinderella teams, hopefully. Yeah. It'll be, I mean, right now it's the last day of January. February is when basketball really starts getting going. I know right now uh, you're right in the middle of uh, conference play and teams are starting to separate themselves from the rest of the field and some teams are putting themselves back in the field. Um, well, what, do you, what do you want to watch out for this week, well, this weekend? What games do you have an eye in mind? Well, there's, I wouldn't say the games this weekend. The team that I'm watching over the span of the next four or five games okay. is Michigan State. And okay. this is why. You and I have talked about this, this a little yeah. bit. 
they looked really bad, but Tom Izzo talked about how he apologized to the players and fans for the difficulty of the schedule. They opened up against Arizona and Kentucky. Then they had to go play against Baylor. They played against Wichita State, who's normally good. They play against Duke. So they set themselves up for really a brutal start. They have one really bad loss to Northeastern. That's their only bad loss. They won against Michigan, and now they have Nebraska, Michigan, Iowa, and Ohio State in their next four games before they play on the road against Purdue. If they can somehow get through those four games, either 4-0 or even 3-1, they're back to being on the bubble. Yeah. Because yeah. they've played such a difficult schedule, you can't punish them that hard. I mean, their RPI is still high. They obviously have to get to 19 <laughs> wins for sure and then win a couple games in the tournament. But, man, you can never count out Tom Izzo. Well, thank you so much, Max McDoolin. I mean, this is great. Finally thank got to you, see man. Max McDoolin. we got a live Thanks, audience guys. here. It's good stuff here. I'm going to turn up your mic just so Shane can come on in. Uh, Max with college basketball, got to love his insight. I mean, he knows so much stuff. Every time I go to class with him uh, on Monday, through Wednesday and Friday, we talk about it. Shane, you can come on in here. Um, I'm going to hand you this mic. This will be Shane Dazen. Uh, actually, I'm gonna be honest. With you, I met Shane last week. Uh, <laughs> I turned it on. Yeah, we're we're ready to go. go. Yep, we're good. To go. We're good to go. I met him today. You met him today. Uh, <laughs> Shane is is ABW production here at Ohio University. Does the play by play for the Ohio University club hockey team. Uh, team is on a roll right now. Uh, I guess later on the season when it comes to playoff time, we can talk a little bit more about the Bobcats. Uh, I want to get talking about the All Star weekend. Not only was it for the NBA, we'll talk about that with Matt Harrington, my roommate, next. But the NHL had their all-star game. Uh, you're from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Die-hard Pens fan. I'm from Columbus. The Jackets are kicking some butt. They actually won a night 6-4. So shout out to the Jackets. And your Pens also won a night. Definitely uh, did. Well, we combined this past weekend together in the Metro. And uh, the Metro was booming. I uh, got a huge victory. The players get a million dollars. What do you want to talk about in the second half of this NHL season moving forward? What teams are you looking out for? Well, coming right out of the gate there, you see your teams that – are true contenders. You're looking at uh, teams like Pittsburgh. You're looking at teams like Minnesota, who's kind of, uh, you know, been building to this peak, and uh, finally they're uh, getting things together here, uh, making some noise out in the West. But uh, you're looking at your true contenders, like uh, those powerhouses, like Washington, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Columbus, too, uh, in that equation as well. And then you're looking at the rest of the pack yeah. here, and I think that that's something that uh, we really haven't seen in the last couple years. This league, there's a uh, you know, a ton of parity in the NHL. A lot of teams are very closely matched and, uh, you know, uh, a spare inch here and a spare inch there really decides these hockey games. But this year we're seeing a big increase in goal scoring. And uh, especially for these, uh, you know, top-heavy teams like Pittsburgh and Chicago, uh, they're really finding that second notch, moving ahead of uh, the rest of that pack. And uh, I think that that's something that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. And it's really going to make uh, this final push going forward here interesting because you've got a ton of teams at those uh, you know bottoms of those wild card standings that are uh, you know really scratching and clawing uh, to try to find their way into those last two spots for uh, both the West and the East. Well I'm looking at the wild card standings right now in the East and I mean it's, it's a nobody. you got Toronto trying to make themselves relevant once again. They've, they've fallen off the map here in the last couple of years. Uh, the Rangers got a huge loss at home against a, against a very good Columbus team. I mean I'm not just talking and trying to bump up the Jackets from Columbus. This team is legit, in my opinion. This is the best team I've seen ever. Um, I've also want to talk about the, the Philadelphia Flyers and what happens with them. I mean, right now you have Lundquist as a goalie for the Rangers. The guy's an absolute stud. I mean, 
to have a notch on every other team, I mean, looking at the wild card, you want to have him be your goalie, correct? Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, he's an interesting case because going into this year, I would tell you, yeah, I, I would, you know, take my money with uh, Henrik Lundqvist and uh, his ability to get the job done in the playoffs, in the regular season. He's been a proven goaltender that, uh, you know, they don't call him King Lundqvist for yep. no reason. Uh, he really has been a king in that for the Rangers, but uh, looking back to the playoffs last year against the Penguins, he really uh, kind of looked like a sieve, to be honest with yeah. you. He was he was definitely a, a reason why the Rangers did not advance in that first round last year. His goaltending was not up to snuff for uh, New York, and going into this year, too, uh, you're looking at an interesting dichotomy because the Rangers aren't ready to give that net up uh, for Henrik Lundqvist. He really hasn't shown that he's uh, you know, an elite-level goaltender at this level this year, so um, it's kind of interesting because uh, you can see the Rangers really holding on to Henrik and really uh, hoping that he'll uh, refine some of the magic that he had, but uh, Antti Ranta for the Rangers has played a really big role on this team. He's done a nice job spelling Lundqvist when uh, there's been some deficiencies in his game and uh, when he battled a couple minor injuries earlier this year. So for the Rangers, I don't think that uh, Henrik Lundqvist really is as much of an it factor as he used to be. So a couple, two years ago, it was in his prime. Uh, even today, he gave up three quick goals, was pulled from the game. I can't tell you how many times we've seen Henrik Lundqvist pull from a game this year. I want to—I don't know if you'd be able to pull that up or not, but I can count you know, six, seven, eight times already that Henrik Lundqvist has been pulled <coughs> from a game this year, and a couple times against the Penguins, too. They seem to really have his number. So when you're looking at those teams at the top that the Rangers need to climb, to uh, really make some noise and try to get a nice uh, position uh, leading into the playoffs. He's not having success against those top-notch teams like Columbus, who he yeah. loses to tonight, like Pittsburgh and well, the Rangers. The Metro right now is absolutely destroying everybody. I mean, the top of the Metro is incredible. Washington right now sitting with 72 points. Uh, Columbus is 70. Pittsburgh with the win tonight, they're at 67. Mm -hmm. I mean, those three teams could be first place in any other division. And Pittsburgh is third right now, so they'd be a road <laughs> team playing Columbus in the first round. I want to look at the West a little bit. Uh, Chicago's been absolutely dominant our entire last six, seven years of our yeah. lifetime. Uh, I mean, Patrick Kane has been a stud. I mean, a great USA player. Uh, Corey Crawford in the net. And then you got Minnesota right now in the Central. Uh, Dubnik, incredible goalie. One of the best goalies in the first half of the season, locking it down. And then Nashville's starting to get hot. They're 7-2-1 in the last uh, 10 games. They're pulling away from St. Louis. Uh, who do you see out of the Central being a very huge threat moving forward and making a deep run in this playoffs? I think I'm finally ready to crown the Minnesota Wild as uh, this Central Division winners at the end of this season here. I really like what I've seen from Minnesota, both on the defensive end and on the offensive end too as well. They're a great puck possession team. They really do a nice job uh, killing uh, opponents' attacks uh, through the neutral zone and really uh, dictating the flow of play through their puck possession. Look at uh, just uh, their goal differential here, plus 51, yeah. uh, leads the league for Minnesota, and that's, a, like I said, a two-fold equation there with both uh, Devin Dubnik, who stepped up as an elite-level goaltender in his last uh, two or three seasons in the NHL, really coming to form for Minnesota. Uh, and, uh, you know, couple that with some of the guys on the offensive end. They got seven guys with uh, a plus 19 or better, that's seven of the top 12 positions in the NHL and plus minus Minnesota occupies. So you're looking at guys who are uh, producing when they're on the ice and plus minus for all you guys uh, who aren't really aware. That's uh, pretty much when you're on the ice uh, with your team for a goal that you guys score, that's going to be a plus in your book. And then when you're on the ice for uh, opposition's goal, it's going to be a minus. So 
they're getting guys on the ice, uh, you know, who are productive and who are, uh, you know, scoring goals at a, at a pace that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, no, they're actually killing it in the West Central uh, Division. The last one we'll talk about is Pacific. Pacific, I, again, it's like college basketball, college kind of football. Awful, yeah. They're just the, the guys out West no one really pays attention to. They're not doing as great as the rest of the league. Uh, San Jose, Edmonton, and Anaheim. I mean, Edmonton coming out of nowhere, just, I mean, one of the best players in all of hockey. Um, I guess you could talk about that if you want to right there. Oh, yeah, I think we all know who we're talking about here. Uh, Mick Jesus. Yeah, you, you some like to that. affectionately call him Connor, Connor McDavid, number 97 there, the captain for the Oilers, having an unreal year for Edmonton, leading the league in points uh, at the turn of the All-Star break there. Uh, with 59 so really seeing that maturation of Connor McDavid uh, before our eyes and the maturation of the Edmonton Oilers too this is a team that has really been bottom dwellers for the last you know five six seasons you're constantly seeing Edmonton with the number, number one, one overall pick, pick. I mean, pick. Yeah, like four, four or five years yep. Edmonton had the number one <laughs> overall pick and it's they like still couldn't get anything together hey. look at the talent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry uh, for all you Cleveland fans it's here. The Cleveland, the Cleveland <laughs> right yeah, there. They're, they're a fun team to make comparisons with. But no, look at the talent that Edmonton, uh, you know, acquired in those drafts. Looking at guys like Nugent Hopkins, who's still a member of that team, but uh, Taylor Hall, who was you know a really solid player for Edmonton, didn't quite work out with him. But they move him and grab a defensive piece in Larson, uh, Adam Larson from the New Jersey Devils, that they really needed. Uh, you know, to kind of help mold uh, their defense in front of Cam Talbot. So uh, they make some, you know, not so uh, flashy moves there. A lot of people were questioning that trade at the time, but it seems to have worked out for them in there. Having all these players, uh, you know, really come to form together as one unit. So I think that's, that's uh, you know, definitely a reason why Edmonton is finally uh, starting to hit their stride. But when we talk about the West there, and we were uh, likening it to the Pac-12, I definitely got to agree with you. A team like San Jose, who comes out of the West and uh, you know faces the Penguins last year in the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, you'd like to think that you know that maybe they have a jump up on the rest of that division. But everybody else is still kind of hanging around there in the, that top three. Uh, Anaheim, for example, a team that has had a lot of regular season success but couldn't translate it to the playoffs, is sitting there with 63 points, right behind the Sharks. And Edmonton is also on their heels. So uh, I think that one is going to go down to the wire. I don't count out Edmonton by any means uh, you know whether or not they win the division remains to be seen but I think they definitely have solid positioning on a wild card spot and they could definitely make some noise in the first round and uh, subsequent rounds well the push for the playoffs started today it's the second half of the season technically after the all-star break we're a little bit more than halfway through the season um, I hope to have you on a couple more times to talk about once it gets closer to that postseason hockey yeah. um, but it's gonna be fun I mean you're a Penguins fan I'm a Jackets yeah. fan <laughs> a couple years ago we had a absolute crazy series that went back and forth, all four, three games, couple overtime games here and there. Um, but I think the Jackets might have a head up on you guys right now. I, I think we get the mixture. We talked about this on Ohio Sports Zone with the Ohio, the Ohio University hockey team and how they have the young studs with the veteran players with like Scott Hartnell. Uh, Saad's been there before. Uh, Bobrovsky's not as young as he used to be. He's 28 in his middle of his prime right now. I mean, the Penguins, though, just the lineup from head to toe is, I mean, from top to bottom is ex extremely good. I mean, when you have Crosby and Malk in there, the question is, though, is how good can your goaltending be? And I guess we'll figure that out. Yeah. For the Penguins, real quick, just uh, I'll, I'll do a little quick breakdown for both. But for the Penguins, real quick, uh, good problem to have in net. They've got two goaltenders who have both won Stanley Cups and have factored into <coughs> the team's success in the last couple years, uh, you know, tremendously in. 
you have a situation in Pittsburgh where Mark Andre Fleury is on the trade block because of this expansion draft coming up here in uh, June with Las Vegas. Uh, you know, moving into the league, uh, everybody's got to sure up their positions here, and you uh, have a couple different breakdowns: either a seven-three-one where you go with uh, seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters in a goalie. So uh, for the Penguins, where uh, Mark Andre Fleury has been that stalwart, kind of like a Henrik Lundqvist was in New York, you suddenly find a position where Matt Murray, who kind of lucked into a playoff, uh, you know, starting position due to Fleury's concussion last year in March leading into the playoffs rode all the way to the Stanley Cup had a great run for the Penguins and he really positioned himself to be that top goaltender for Pittsburgh so uh, now looking at a situation where Marc-Andre Fleury is on the block and it's kind of sour for the team but uh, he's handling it really well he's a consummate veteran a guy that uh, you know you can't say enough about in the locker room and he's been really uh, prepping Murray for this starting role that he is bound to uh, have for the Penguins and uh, as we move forward here uh, toward the deadline it should be interesting to see if Pittsburgh uh, decides to keep Marc-Andre Fleury and that two goalie uh, tandem intact or yeah. if they go another direction and try to recoup some of that loss that uh, they might potentially lose in that expansion draft. Well I want to thank Shane for coming on. We're actually trying to figure out the uh, battery issue on my, on my phone. It's, it's dying here but <laughs> my team's here plug on in make sure we can get this in here real quick um i want to thank you again thank you for having me guys i really appreciate it absolutely this is jmb weekly wrap up we're gonna switch gears here and get uh my roommate matt harrington on over here if he can finally slide his way in thank you shane uh if you guys are listening still send some questions we got the nba talk coming up some uh signings on the nfl uh or excuse me ncaa draft i'll give this to you to turn this on you're good to go hey all right guys How's it going? I'm a little stuff here, so. A little sick. <clears throat> a little sick. A little sick. Right. Let me get. Just like, <laughs> Just like the Cavs. Just we'll like get, the Cavs. Just like the Cavs. We'll get started on that here pretty soon. All right, so let's talk about the Cavs. You know, let's dive right into the Cavs. Right now, we have a huge, huge topic discussion going on with LeBron James and Charles Barkley. Ooh, let Charles be. <laughs> Barkley, excuse me. <laughs> so, what happened was Charles Barkley came on TNT late night earlier last week. Um, he pretty much said his mind. He said he called LeBron James a crybaby. He said the guy should not be complaining about his roster and how he can affect the NBA and try to win another championship. The guy's got the second best roster in the NBA compared, in my opinion, to the Golden State Warriors, who are Definitely. right here in Steph Curry. The problem I have, though, and I'm agree with Chuck and Charles Barkley, is that LeBron's the man. He's the best player in all of call, or at all the NBA. All the NBA in the whole world. In the whole world, 100%. That's, that's a very agreeable statement. Yeah. He's got one of the best point guards, maybe of our generation, and Kyrie Irving, who can he's score. worthy of number one draft pick, so I'll say so. <laughs> and then you have Kevin Love, who's a rebounding machine. And then all LeBron wants to do is keep, again, doing what Duke is, just a, 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 a drama-filled TV show. I mean, it's incredible. I, I don't mean, know if he wants to be doing that. But he's been doing it for the last couple of years. He wants his pieces. He wants this, this and that. This year more than any, though. I, I mean, He wants to repeat. I understand that. But it's, it's, it's enough's enough, in my opinion. He just got Corver. He now wants Melo, if he can get Melo, which I still think is a cancer for the, for the team. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Melo, he is a cancer. He's, he's, he's older. He doesn't play defense. His defense <laughs> is very questionable. He's not, he's not going to be the guy that, especially if you're trading for Kevin Love, who does do the dirty work, who will do the dirty work. Like, 
Like, he stopped Kevin, or Steph Curry in the final seconds in the championship game last year. I don't think if you put Melo in that situation, I don't think Melo does the same thing that Kevin Love. Absolutely does. not. Plus, <laughs> where, where would Melo fit into this game coming off the bench to play for one of them? I mean, you've got Tristan Thompson, who I think is a better asset to the team than Kevin Love. I mean, I think he's the three-man on that team. He's a great offensive rebounder. Offensive uh, rebounder and the heart that he plays yeah, with, exactly. too. He's plenty, great. Yeah. Plenty of heart. I definitely. have him on my team before <laughs> Kevin Love. And so LeBron came out, and I think this morning took a couple of low blows at, at Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. talking about his past and how he threw a guy through a window, um, how he's been nothing but... I didn't but, know about that. I didn't know about that. <laughs> I asked you about that. I've never heard of this story before. I mean, I mean, obviously the NBA is a very unique sport. Uh, a lot of these guys come out of high school and uh, didn't have a college education. Um, but again, it's just like, I don't know why he had to take such a low blow at him. Well... Go ahead, go ahead, Jackson. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just Charles Barkley. And if you ever watch what him and Shaq talk <laughs> about TV. after that, that is reality TV. Yes. That oh, yeah. is The Bachelor yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, LeBron's frustrated right now, and with good reason. Good reason. But I, I think this is the, what's wrong with the Cavs. LeBron feels a lot of pressure to repeat like he should. And then they're starting to fall off and lose a few games in the middle of the season here. And people are starting to question them. They dropped to eight in the power rankings. And LeBron feels the pressure. They just made a big move to pick up Corver, and now they're sitting around 500 since they picked up Corver. Seven and eight in the month. Se- yeah. Seven and eight in the month. The most yeah. loss they've had since oh, it's February 15, 2015. I think that when they had they had nine losses or something like yep, that. Exactly. So yeah, and and the cat he LeBron just feels all the pressure, and that's why he responds to Charles Barkley like this. It's very characteristic. It's a big characteristic of Charles Barkley to call out players and talk like this. It is not usual for LeBron to respond like this, but it makes sense in this situation because of what's on his shoulder. And you can see by the way he's playing. He's playing tight. Kyrie Irving, for one, during this 7-8 and eight stretch, mm-hmm. has been playing great. Yeah. He's been that playmaker that LeBron is going out to find. Yeah. He's got him right in front of him. Like, Just play with what you've got. Stop going and trying to get people. You've got your team right in front of you. Do the best with you, you can with that with that Definitely. team. What I think Charles is trying to, trying to say here is... Uh, He's trying to question the, the integrity of the league. Um, even though he's coming at LeBron, he's questioning everybody in the league, especially Kevin Durant and the Warriors, because th- this has never happened where a superstar, MV- MVP uh, caliber type of player has teamed up with you know three other all-stars on the team. So that's why he's actually kind of like challenging LeBron right now, because LeBron is, is whining, and he's saying, LeBron, you've been doing this. You're actually the, the one that actually kind of started this in the 2010 era. So, but I feel like LeBron has good reason to come at, at Charles and is needed because he needs to show this side that, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, speak his mind. Yeah. I think he's trying to keep this, uh, he, he's been trying to keep this good image, a good role model image for so long. And it's definitely good for the league and for kids to see that, you know, you got to stand your ground on some, some certain things. I have a question for both you guys here. Now, you and I talked about this earlier this morning with these mega star, mega teams going on, where team, people are leaving their team uh, who have a, a good core, as you could say, like Kevin Durant, for instance. Last year with Oklahoma City, got all the way to the Western Conference Finals, was up 3-2 to two and then blew that lead to Golden State. Mm-hmm. That team... 3-1. Three 3-1. Three three it was one, back-to-back 3-1, yeah. back excuse me. Um, that team itself, I think, was good enough to get to a championship again if they had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. If everyone could stay healthy and the pieces were right for them. You're getting all these players trying to leave. Again, like we talked about Melo trying to leave and join the Cavs, so it would be four superstars on one team. A couple years ago, we are talking about when Paul Pierce was with uh, 
the Boston Celtics that those big three with Garnett, him, and, and Rajay Rondo. And Ray Allen. Can't oh, Ray Allen. Excuse me. Rondo, Rondo came over. Allen, Allen was the guy that, that came over. Excuse me. That, that's correct. Now looking at Rondo moving team to team and uh -huh. trying to make them a powerhouse. But is this bad for the, I guess, the quality of play? I mean, you get teams with, with four good players, which is great for that one team, but it's taken away from other teams that are just absolutely just getting this, killed. It takes away from the regular season. You know, people that love to watch the regular season, um, it definitely takes away from that aspect, that competitive aspect, uh, at least, from my, my uh, point of view. Okay. What would you say about Your opinion? That? Yeah, my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I think that the regular season in a, pretty much every single sport except the NFL professionally-wise is too long. I think the NBA, they yeah. know it's a complete joke. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at standings right now in the Western Conference where you have the Lakers and the Suns who have a combined 31 wins, and even with their losses they have individually are still under 500. They're, they're over. They're, 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 they're trying to be yeah. the trying to tank. You know, what, <laughs> you know what's wrong with the NBA is, and I don't even care about the regular season, the, the NBA is set up in a way where the postseason takes just as long as the regular season. It's, and if and I mean you, that's you have your opinion on that it's whatever, but um, my problem with it is it starts in the Eastern Conference and that's the superstar teams. You've got the Cavaliers and then eighth you've got the Charlotte Hornets. So even the first round of the playoffs, even yeah. being a Cavs fan, yeah. I don't care if I miss yeah. one of those games yeah. because <laughs> and that and that's the problem with it. Once you get regular season, you're gonna have the bad games. You're gonna have the good games. I still tune in for the Cavs uh, playing just about any. Um, top eight Marquee team in the matchup, West, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I like that, and I and I like those matchups more than a, the first two rounds of the playoffs for the Cavs. I think the playoffs, that the 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 impact that the superstar teams have on the NBA is the biggest in the playoffs rather than the regular season. Now, could we say just get rid of all conferences? Yeah, and, and just say up. just yeah, bring the best, the best sixteen, 16 teams, teams, yeah, and go one yeah. sixteen, just like college basketball, yeah. you have one to sixteen instead yeah. of having. One and eight in the eight seed, and both divisions right now, both conference would be under five hundred. Um, it's embarrassing. I think it's really bad for the game. Uh, it's not viewer friendly. That's that's the, you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the second round would be a, a lot more interesting if you had one playing sixteen and then eight versus nine playing each other. Because eight versus nine, you could still have that's a good matchup. <laughs> teams getting in there and hopefully exactly. being over five hundred. But I guess we have to see. Uh, what do you have next on the NBA? I mean, we um, talked about the Cavs. Potential talked, trade destinations for Carmelo. I mean. People have been throwing it out like maybe the Sixers, but I feel like that's another place where it can look like the New York Knicks as well, like what yeah, they look yeah. like now. Uh, also, the Boston Celtics. Uh, they're talking about that being Isaiah. A, a, yeah, Isaiah with Al Horford. But, again, he doesn't really play defense, and Boston is a very defensive team. Uh, what's the coach's name? Uh, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, yes. Excuse From me. Butler. Uh, he's, he's a very – he loves his players that play defense. So uh, that would be a potential liability, a very big liability for the Celtics if they made that move. And then uh, there's always the talk about Carmelo going out to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll debunk Car that. Carmelo <laughs> is a lost cause, in my opinion. I think that he's been given some good players to work with in New York. I mean, you can say what you want about Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose. They could be on the way out of their careers, um, which they – probably are. I mean, mm -hmm. neither of them are going to be the players that they once were, yeah. but they still are that in that upper tier category when it comes to yeah. when it comes to the NBA players and um and he's not doing anything with them. And they're 21 and 29. Yeah. That that also <laughs> proves like to why Carmelo won't really be a big asset on whatever team he goes to in my opinion. Yeah. 
Well, I feel like that's enough about Carmelo. You know, yeah. I feel yeah. the head is coming on talking about Carmelo. Let's switch talk. We want to talk about college football now. Well, no, no, we say there's a, a fun topic I want to talk about. DeAndre Jordan said he would love to do the dunk contest as long as he could join the three point contest. You know, <laughs> that would be really entertaining to see. And it also brings another point of view. Like, why don't you let these players do what they want to do? Like, have like he's taking. He wants his demand as long as you know he meets the demand of the fans. You know. Meet his demand, and I feel like that's a really uh, interesting point of, uh, point of view. I feel like it's a, a mixture of both. So, like, looking at as an MLB fan, you're looking at All Star Weekend, uh, and and they had a couple pitchers this past year trying to get in the home run contest. Mm-hmm. That was Madison Bumgarner mm-hmm. for the San Francisco Giants, yeah. who the guy has tanks. So, like, that. that's not his main job is at home runs, but he can has the power yeah. too. And DeAndre Jordan's main thing is not hitting threes, but if he wants to be in the home run contest, or if he wants to not be in the home run, if he wants to hit three point contest, let him be in the three point contest. Right. It's all about having, I mean, it's all sort of It's way better than seeing Steph just win another dunk contest or a three, or three point, point contest. contest. Over again, I know. mean, imagine that upset though. Fun. You yeah, could have exactly. DeAndre Jordan exactly. win the three point contest. I mean, exactly. I think the guy so should fun. win. I mean, it's going to be an incredible dunk mm-hmm. contest when you have Levine coming out once again, coming up with hopefully new dunks. The guy is absolutely. I don't know what new dunks he can come up probably with. Probably jump out of the gym and jump back in. <laughs> like I mean, he's unbelievable. Uh, DeAndre Jordan can Eric do Martin. anything. Yeah. Oh, these guys would be high flyers. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. I, everyone talks about. The all-star games and all three of the sports that are going on. The Pro Bowl is probably the biggest joke of them all. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the other ones are all about having fun. I, I mean, there's no contacts, so you don't have to, like, kill yourself. Mm-hmm. As in the NFL, you have to, like, worry about tackling somebody. Yeah. Uh, That's a defensive Pro Bowl. 20-13 to 13 with, like, a defensive stop that ended that. The quarterback what? play was pathetic. The quarterback <laughs> play. Andy, Andy, Andy <laughs> all threw for 100 yards. That's how bad you know what's going on when he when he's leading the, the AFC uh, as a quarterback, he went 10 of 12 with 100 passing. That's a whole other story. I don't even want to talk about that. Because, again, I don't even, when that happens, I don't even want to have my TV on that because I don't want to give them rating. Exactly. You get it. Um, but, I mean, I'm down. Are you down with DeAndre Jordan playing? I would love that. Like, <laughs> I think everybody who loves watching, you know, especially the entertainment value, would love to watch that as well. <laughs> you know? What else you got? You got anything else besides? There's one more thing. Um, John Wall and Bradley Bill, um, they're learning how to coincide with each other. Finally. Uh, you know, for the past couple of years, they haven't been really getting along all that well. But right now, I believe they're third um, in the power rank, or not the power rankings, but uh, in the East, yeah. 27-20. I mean, from last year, they were uh, a very subpar team. And to see them, you know, succeeding by one side or another, you know, that's a real good thing to see. When they're both going off, that's a dangerous combination. Yeah, we, we saw John Wall in Sports Center the other day. You saw in Holly Bradley Beal. You were pretty impressed with that. You thought mm-hmm. that they were still head button. Uh, I guess not now. They, now, they, they cleared now. that up. They cleared it Teammates got to clear it up to, to hopefully make a playoff push. That'll be very interesting. I guess we'll have to wait. We got to wait and see yeah. on that as well. Um, it's a long time from now, though. You know, anything can happen. <laughs> Tomorrow, huge day in college football. National signing day, baby. Before we get going with the NFL, Jackson and I are going to dive into that. Matt, what do you got on the huge signings possible for? Some big teams around the nation. Well, I don't really care about any other big team except for the Ohio State Buckeyes. There it is, Buckeyes. <laughs> from baby. Columbus, Ohio, Northside Columbus. <coughs> I grew up a Ohio State fan, right down the street from uh, the Ohio, Uni- Ohio State University campus. And a uh, real big name, Marvin Wilson. Um, of course, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that's been following recruiting. He's a 6'4", 335 pound defensive tackle. And he's a five-star, but for some reason, these past, you know, ever since Urban came to Columbus, uh, they just haven't been able to accrue that, you know, that big-time five-star defensive tackle to plug up the middle. 
And I think that's been a liability in our defense. Yeah. Um, we've had great pass um, uh, rushing defenses as, as well as run stopping defenses. But, you know, that was our main problem this past year. Like, we couldn't stop running the ball on defense. Like, our secondary was fine. Linebackers, they were flying around. But our defensive interior defensive line, they just couldn't get the job done. So it'll be interesting to see if we can get this guy. I hope we do. Um, and then that would end the drought of the big-time five-star defensive tackles. I mean, talking about defensive linemen for Ohio State, I mean, you get Joey Bosa, who's balling out in mm -hmm. San Diego. Adolphus Washington, oh, yeah. who at the end of his career had a couple of misfortunes with the running with the law. Yeah, soliciting. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, soliciting. And now he's with the Bills. He's doing great there. Uh, and moving forward, I mean, Taekwon Lewis, Who's coming back? Who's a big guy? He's Big Ten Defensive uh, Lineman of the Year. Nicky Bosa, Nicky. little little Joey Bosa's brother. <laughs> Man, and then you get this guy. I mean, this team could be absolutely powerhouse dominant. Hopefully, getting back to the Final Four. Uh, as you said, Urban Meyer is a one hell of a recruiter. I don't think there's oh, yeah. him and Nick Saban going head to head. They're, I mean, they're neck and neck as it has been like the last eight years. Um, very interesting to see what can happen. Not here. only are they great recruiters, they're they are great developers yes. of talent. Um, these guys come in; they're not promised, you know, playing time. As you can see, there's a log jam of defensive ends. We got Nick Bosa, Jalen Holmes, Sam Herbert, who's also coming back, and Tyquan Lewis. Yeah. Like those are four defensive ends that are starting caliber defensive ends yeah. that could be stars on any other team. Yeah. Blah blah blah, et cetera. But these guys, uh, you know, they they're just learning to be teammates and play for one another, and that's what Urban is selling them on as well as a great education, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they have to work and compete, and the only way you can be the, be the best is if you beat the best. Yeah. And that's what the, the main sell is there in Columbus along the defensive line and Playing prime other, time. Other, top, other spots. Get, get on <laughs> ABC, much. get on ESPN, on prime spots, everyone's watching you. Any other guys, or that it? That's it, bud. That's it. Well, thank <laughs> you again, Matt, coming on. Uh, that's the last guest appearance we have for this week. Any last words? <coughs> no. Go big or go home, I guess. Go big or go home. There you hear it first. Who do you have in the Super Bowl? Super Bowl, I got the Pats, man. Tom Brady, I hate him. He's from that team. <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's he has a pretty good record in, in the big game. So, I'm going to go with him. There you go. I'm going to take your mic from you. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate, appreciate that, bud. Last segment here. All right. Jackson and I, last two on it. Uh, <coughs> we have the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51. We're in Houston, uh, not us, but the Super Bowl is. Unfortunately, that'd be really cool. If we were in I, Houston. I wish we were. We got the Gronk jersey up behind me. Not that we all support it here. But. Not that we're supporting them. <laughs> um, I'm gonna ask you. Uh, do you know what the line is right now? If you can go to the, the scores, you have to go to the NH, NH, It doesn't matter. The Pats are gonna win. See, you said that. You said that. Matt's a big talker. You guys gotta understand that because he was telling me about how Green Bay was gonna destroy the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> And I said, let's put 20 bucks on that. <laughs> and what happened? Did we see Elena destroy them? Um, here, you got to go here. Scores. This is their last game in the, in the Georgia Dome, so I didn't think That's that right. would be a big factor. So right now, the spread is three points still for New England. The over-under is 59. Jackson, who do you have in this game? What are your keys and your takeaways, and who and how is this going to end up, in your opinion? I guess, who, who are you rooting for, and how is this going to end up, do you think it is? All right, well, um, I'm going to pick the Atlanta Falcons. <coughs> I think they've been the underdogs all year long. I love the underdog teams, and I love how the Atlanta Falcons have been playing. Um, 
that offense is just unstoppable. It's it's the best offense in the NFL. I think that it is better than the Patriots' offense. The Patriots might have the edge on defense, yet the Falcons are getting better, and they have progressively gotten better through the playoffs, with the exception of their red zone defense is a little weak. But primarily why I have the Falcons is Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. He is a beast. He's, he's He should win the MVP this year, um, without a doubt, in my mind. Without him, uh, that that Atlanta Falcons offense would not be anything close to what it is. And then you've got Julio Jones also, the best receiver in the NFL, in, in my mind. And uh, he, he, he can get it done just about against anybody. And who, who, they don't have, the Patriots don't have any quarterback who can cover him, I don't think. And then you've got, <laughs> on top of that, you've got Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, two great uh, uh, running backs who can also double as a wide receiver. They, they're great out the back, very athletic, and they can, they're good replacements for each other. Once one's tired, once Devontae Freeman's tired, Change you're going to put in Tevin Coleman. You can't do much about that. I love the Falcons in this game. I don't think that the Patriots have enough on defense to stop them. I'm going to agree with you so hard. I am going <laughs> to root for the Falcons the entire game. There's a couple stats you want to give to the audience here. The Patriots are 17-0 when Deion Lewis plays and is healthy. He's going to be healthy and playing in this game. They have not lost with him on the roster. Um, very hard to stop. I mean, not only do they have Lewis, they've got LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt is a huge running back coming out of Oregon. Probably the last big guy over 250-pound running back to come out of there. Uh, they've gotten very short and uh, little quick guys out of the backfield since him. Uh, Tom Brady refuses to lose in this big game. Uh, the only team that has got him is twice. It was the Giants. New York Giants and Eli Manning. I don't know how that happened, uh, but it did happen. Gronk is out for the Patriots, which is still going to be a huge thing to look at. And they still have a really good tight end, Martellus Bennett. Uh, the receiving core, though, is a little weaker, again, compared to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you have Hogan, who busted a couple big touchdown uh, receptions there last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have Edelman who has been an absolute stud. Him and Brady have their little bromance going on. That's right. And then you have Amendola. If Amendola can stay healthy, you have three very, very quick receivers that pretty much are slot receivers lined up as any, anywhere in the field. Um, the Here's team. my only problem with their receivers, though. Belichick is the receiver, is the reason those receivers are good. They're system players, I, in, in my eyes. I, okay. Because with maybe... Amendola and Hogan definitely are. They were no names until Belichick uh, had them on there, brought them to the Patriots. And I mean, what if you well, if you watched our hard knocks uh, a couple seasons ago with the Miami Dolphins, they called Chris Hogan Seven Eleven because he was always open. There you go. Pats but what did he do win. there? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be, I mean, again, let me let me finish up on on, on the Atlanta side and I'll give you my prediction. The Atlanta defense has been underrated the entire year. I agree with you on that. I think they've been getting overlooked the entire time. Their offense has been taking uh, the light, so they've been in the shadow the entire time. They stepped up and showed what the world they could do against the Green Bay Packers in a very, very good offense. Uh, the offense, again, you don't have to say anything about them. They have the best offense, and I think in college, not in college, the NFL, uh, with Julio Jones, Tyler Gabriel, even there, Sanu and Old Bengal, Max McDoolin's still here. He knows about him playing for those uh, orange and black stripes in Cincinnati. Uh, the running back duo is incredible. Matt Ryan's waiting for his time to shine. The question is, can he shine the brightest when the lights are the brightest on yes. him? And I hope so. I hope he can. 
Tom Brady, we already know he can. The offensive line is going to block for him. The question is, can the Atlanta Falcons get pressure? Because if you get pressure to a 39-year-old, he's not running around like he used to back in the day. Uh, that's going to be, I think, the biggest thing. Again, Malcolm Butler is going to be on Julio Jones, so we'll see if he can stop him. I think it's going to be a barn burner, though. I think it's going to be an absolute high-scoring affair. I, this could be one of the best Super Bowls we've seen. If not, it could be a blowout in either direction. I don't know yet. It's going to be, again, tough to tell until we get to that time on Sunday around 6 o'clock. My final prediction, if it's going to go either way, I'm going to say 35-31 in favor of the NFL Falcons. I would say something along those lines, too. And I'd like to make another point on why the Falcons um, will have the edge offensively here is because if the Patriots are always prided on their interior defense. You can't run up the middle against the Patriots. And that was the part of the problem with D'Angelo Williams and Le'Veon Bell. He got injured early in the game. Uh, but in the AFC Championship game, it's because those two um, running backs are up the middle primarily. But... On, for the Atlanta Falcons, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman are both quick guys. Who they A lot of their carries are, are around the side and around the edge um, that ta outside that tackle. And they also go out for a lot of screens and passes. And I, I think their athletic ability will beat those outside players, um, defensive players, for the Patriots. And their, the interior defense won't have as much of a say in the game. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a great game. I, I, I think, what do you got to say on this one? Let's place a bet. You want to place a bet? Let's play $20? I don't know. Pats? Get, you got to go with the spread on this one. Okay. So I get three points going to Atlanta. Okay. And I get 20 bucks with them. And then if you guys win by more than three, okay. three points to push. No yeah. one wins. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. We'll, we'll bet this right here. Shake on it right here. We're here, we're here live <laughs> on the right JV right uh, weekly, <laughs> weekly podcast wrap-up here. Uh, it's the first bet we have on we don't, this podcast. We don't promote betting. We do not promote betting at all. But uh, we're over the age of 21. It's legal here. And we're roommates. And we're roommates. Yeah, it's, it's a friendly wage, you could say. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm too. Saying, I, was, I, I think the, very, the biggest key of this game is going to be turnovers. If Matt Ryan cannot, can throw less interceptions, I guess, than Tom Brady, they have a huge chance of winning. He throws one or more than, uh, inter interceptions than Tom Brady, he, he's going to put their, the offense and defense in a hurt of trouble there in Atlanta. Um, I would like to see them win a Super Bowl. Uh, how many, who do you guys have? Let's go around the room here. We'll, we'll, we'll take a poll here. Mateen, who do, you, who do you think and who do you have winning the Super Bowl? I think the Pats are going to win. You think it's the Pats are going to win? Oh, yeah. You root for the Pats, and you have the Pats winning. Shane? Uh, rooting for Atlanta, I think the Patriots are going to win. Okay, Matt, we know you, you know got the me. Pats and Pats. McDoolin? Uh, I'd like to see Atlanta win. It's, it's such so, a toss-up. It's, it's a toss-up. It's hard. It's, a, it's so hard to go against Tom I think Brady. Brady wins. You think Brady wins? So, you, so you're doing what Shane has. There's a, a guy on here who commented, Mike Tackett. Mike Tackett. Yeah, Mike Tackett. Tackett. What does he got to say? That's my he old says, difference maker is wide receiver Michael Floyd. Watch out for that. Mm. Oh, come on. Old school receiver. Tackett, I love that. Love that, uh, I guess you could say, input, input. with the Patriots. Yeah. But uh, let's see if the old man can even play. Let's see. Uh, let's see it. Uh, <laughs> Jackson, you've got Atlanta winning, and you're rooting for Atlanta. Yep. And, again, I'm a to I'm rooting for Atlanta, but I think it's a toss-up. I don't even want to think who can win. Cause again, you said 35-31. <laughs> yeah, I see it, but I can also see <laughs> it flipped around. So we'll see. Any last one before we wrap this up? That's all I got. I want to give a huge shout-out to my old wrestling coach, uh, Tackett's the Whitsitting. He's been a huge listener. But my coach, Schaefer, my head coach, uh, told me the, the Golden Grapple, that's our rival high school, Whetstone and Centennial meet uh, once a year. It's a spotlight uh, <laughs> dual meet. 
Uh, when I was in high school, we won all four years against our rivals. Uh, huge, huge thing. So shout out to the Centennial Stars. Good luck beating the Whetstone Braves. Um, Slippery Rock. Hopefully you guys can get it done. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Next week, hopefully I have an action-packed show once again. Uh, if you guys have questions about any of these topics, send them in. We'd love to answer them for you. Uh, this week we had a, a huge audience. want to thank everybody. And uh, everyone be safe out there. Woo! All right. Woo! 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 Woo!